sit back, relax, work hard, work passionately, and take your time. You'll get there and you'll be happy about it. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. What's going on people? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Voice. My name is Aaron and as always, I am the host of the show. So I'm delighted to welcome Zushan on to today's episode of Find Your Voice, where we're going to be talking about a lot of things that maybe some of you can resonate with, but also more importantly, that will hopefully help you or encourage you to try more things and really try and change your perspective to go out there and find your voice. So Zushan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, my friend? Yeah, really good. It's uh, midnight here in Canberra, Australia. And in this uh, current state that we're all in, I think it's a fantastic time to be having a chat, something that I otherwise wouldn't be doing. And I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you, Aaron. Absolutely. So I hope the listeners can at least appreciate that poor Zushan over there at midnight is taking time out of his day. One thing I've really been moving this podcast towards is perspective and how people just go through life and certain situations and certain experiences really kind of shape them and mold them. And your story is fascinating because you're a man who's doing so many things. You've started startups, you've worked in sports agencies, you've traveled to around 30 countries, you've lived in six cities across three countries. So I'm really, really interested in obviously getting your perspective on stuff. And I know you've also mentioned stuff like stress in the workplace as well. So that's going to be something where maybe I might pivot the show towards. So Zushan, if you wouldn't mind, if you could just maybe give us a summary about you, yourself, the things you like, and what kind of brings you here today on Find Your Voice? Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. So where do I start? So essentially, I was born in Dubai. Uh, everyone knows Dubai now. No one did when I was born there. <laughs> and it was an interesting place to grow up. I think when I was about two or three years old, moved to Melbourne, Australia, because my uh, dad was doing his PhD over there. And by the time I was five, we moved back to Dubai. And yeah, I lived there for about 12 or 13 years after that. So mm-hmm. all through high school, which was a, a great time. I think it was absolutely incredible in terms of the cultural experiences that I had having essentially celebrate, like for an example, um, whether it was Christmas, whether it was uh you know, whether it was Eid, whether it was Diwali, I got the opportunity to spend time with people in their cultures, my friends from high school, even till today, uh, I'm really close to them about 12 or 13 of them come from eight different countries. So having that exposure growing up was really, really interesting. And I think it definitely set me up for what came Uh, afterwards, which was that I moved to Brisbane, Australia to do my university degree. And that in itself was an interesting experience because 
while I lived here as a kid, I became Australian. So my background is Pakistani. And yes, you did mention six cities. So I did live in Karachi for a very short period of time, about six months uh, after I moved back to Dubai from Australia. But I visit regularly, so I know the place pretty well, I'd like to believe. Um, and in Brisbane, it was very interesting because on the one hand, I was Australian. But then on the other hand, I very much fit the mold of an international student who was growing up in Australia, hanging out with people from all over the world who were also there from overseas, who would go back home to the countries that they came from over summer break or whatever so it may be. But then at the same time, I was Australian. So it was quite an interesting uh, time in my life, but I really grew up uh, in that specific time in Brisbane. And then I moved to Sydney where I was working in academia for a while at the University of Sydney. And I also did my master's there. And uh, just over two years ago, I came over to Canberra for my day job. And in the midst of that, I started uh, working on Sportages, which is now the startup that I run, which also has the Sportages podcast. So that's a bit of a summary of how I moved around. And I guess to add to that, you know, some of the things that I really, really enjoy doing include rock climbing. So going to the climbing gym, doing some bouldering, that sort of stuff. Uh, obviously working on my startup, I write a lot. So we have a lot of written content on there. I also like to, such as yourself, interview people and talk to people. So we do. A, I do a fair bit of that as well. And I really enjoy sports of all sorts, but at the same time, bringing in a different element to sports, such as the struggles and the challenges that athletes face and the diversity in sports and sports entrepreneurship and the like. So that's a bit of, bit of a summary of who I am. And yes, um, I think there was a stage in my life where I used to do spoken word poetry and perform at slam poetry competitions. So that's another phase of my life that I would be more than happy to talk to you about as well. Wow. <laughs> wow. So that's definitely a jam-packed life there. And um, there's actually a few things I want to speak about, if I may then. So I'm fascinated, obviously, by traveling myself. So me and the wife, we've been very fortunate to travel around 30, 40 countries ourselves as well. And one of the things that traveling definitely taught me is it made me not be so narrow-minded in my thinking and in my beliefs. And I just got a whole new level of insight into the amazing people across the world the different cultures and then just the different ways of life so I'm always advocating on this podcast to at least travel to just a foreign country where people just do things differently because in the heart of it and the root of it I always find that people are actually the same in terms of we all want to be loved we all like the same kind of stuff and that's one thing that I really love about it it's just a shame obviously sometimes language can make that very difficult and then the second important thing I think is exposure and exposure for me, it doesn't necessarily need to be just traveling. So I'm always an advocate that when you find your voice, for example, i.e. find your way in life, we need exposure sometimes to actually know what that is. Because throughout our life, it's our parents or it's our teachers kind of pushing us towards one particular avenue because that's all we know. For example, if you're good at chemistry at school, you're most likely going to go and study chemistry a little bit later on or something science related. 
Whereas now we have the opportunity to expose ourselves to so much more. Like for instance, some of the stuff that you mentioned just there. And it's through that exposure that we can actually say, well, actually, I really like cooking, for example, or I really like starting a podcast like yourself or maybe a startup. So this is why I was saying I was really fascinated by your story because you've kind of done everything that I've been preaching so much to the audience throughout this. So I want to try and move this now to something where we can try and get into your mindset, having had that experience and you've lived in some of the most beautiful places. You've started a startup now as an entrepreneur and and you seem to be living in very, very great places and being aware of your sense of culture and stuff. How has that transition been from being from academia to a startup and as an entrepreneur? Because one of the things I recognize as an entrepreneur is we almost inflict this level of pain on ourselves where we're overworking sometimes for less pay. We're working weekends and we're really kind of putting it on ourselves. And it's it's almost like a different breed of a, of a person, if that makes sense. So how have you found that transition into entrepreneurial space? Yeah, it's a, that's a really interesting question that you bring up, Aaron. So initially, when I'll, I think I'll take it step by step from the academia over to the startup. In academia, the interesting thing was that when you're in research, you have a lot of Uh, independence and a lot of freedom. So you can take your time out and go into work in odd hours if you need to. So I'm by trade a social scientist. I don't have any uh, biology, chemistry, physics, or engineering uh, skills or background or knowledge. But when it comes to the social sciences, I would like to think that I'm a little bit well-versed on that end. So you essentially in a field like social sciences, you don't even need to be at the office. Like you could do that work from home as long as you have the research papers, uh, you're studying through articles and so on. So that sort of helped me quite significantly to develop my independence in working. So I was able to do this work on my own. And I was simultaneously doing my master's degree. Obviously, I had a couple of academics who uh, were mentoring me and assisting me, and I was doing research with them. So I got that guidance from them. But then at the same time, I would, I have a lot of respect for academics and academia, but I would say that personally, I was a little bit disenfranchised from the concept of academia, where I essentially and more or less learned that no matter what academia only gets read by other academics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And because of that, no matter how much output, uh, how much quality output you come out with, it's only really going to be read by your peers and they may respond if they decide to. And that's when I realized, Hey, you know, I want to get out of this space and, go do my day job. So I moved to Canberra, I take up my day job in the public sector. And, you know, it's great. I really enjoy the work. Uh, I go in with this expectation that, you know, this might be the means for me to uh, find that fulfillment on when, you know, you touched on earlier, being able to assist other people and support them. Uh, But unfortunately, I wouldn't say it hasn't been the case, but I would say it was it isn't exactly the way I want it, although the work I do in my day job is phenomenal and I love it and I think it teaches me a lot. But 
I felt like I needed to do something more. And that's when my startup Sportages sort of came to be. So I've got two other mates, one based in Brisbane and one based in Sydney. And the three of us collectively formed Sportages. And I think often entrepreneurs, they say this, that, you know, we sort of stumbled upon our business. It was never something that we intended on doing. It just sort of happened. And that's what Sportagis was because we were chatting in our WhatsApp group as we did having been in touch since we lived in Brisbane and were good mates there. And we thought, hey, let's start a sports blog. And very quickly that moved out from, evolved, I guess, from a sports blog to a sports media platform, but with a twist. So the twist essentially being you look at big organizations that pour out content and the viewers or the listeners or the audience, they don't necessarily get something out of it where they go, whoa, I learned something from that. And that became our purpose at Sportages. And I guess you you asked about managing that. And look, I'm not going to lie. It's been very overwhelming, but we've been able to develop techniques and structures that have enabled us to deal with stress and managing our time and being able to, you know, have some sort of semblance of work-life balance, uh, which, which interestingly is the most, is the most searched word on Google in Australia, work-life balance. (laughs) Yeah. And I think some of the things that we do um, include, you know, trying not to work on most weekends or at least one day a week, uh, automating a lot of the work that we could be doing ourselves by using apps. um, And that's essentially helped us a lot. So that's a bit of a summary on, you know, moving from academia to the startup phase. But To tie it all together, I think that the independent critical thinking that I was able to develop while working in academia really assisted me in running uh, the startup with with my co-founders and that all of those experiences come hand in hand. And when I look back and I do something new, I realize, wow, I actually learned this at this point in my lifetime. Absolutely. It's almost like connecting the dots when you look backwards. I think Steve Jobs had a great quote about that. So I was thinking of some questions and some stuff came into my head. So the first one was, are you fulfilled in the stuff you're doing? And you almost answered it instantly as I was thinking it, which you said that the work that you're doing now, you find it phenomenal, you love it. And then almost like there was something slightly missing and you felt like you wanted to do more, which then grew out of that was the startup. So that's that's nice because I always feel that Many of us have that feeling throughout life where we feel like we're lacking something or there's just something missing to really ignite us, if that makes sense, and keep us going and motivated. So for you, I I suppose it was that startup. And then you mentioned some interesting stuff where you said that in Australia, obviously, work-life balance is the most searched term. And I'm not sure of the metrics here in the UK, but we had the same sort of questions because wherever you work, and I've worked in corporate myself, and I've worked as an entrepreneur for the last five or six years, each time we're battling with this seesaw of work and life and we're trying to balance work-life balance and if I'm being completely honest I don't think it exists I don't think there is a possibility to have at least an even balance I think you have to 
throughout your life make sacrifices whereby one is going to outweigh the other and it's just about being mindful that throughout the midst of your work and your general life is that we just look after ourselves especially like our mental health and our physical health you said you have mechanisms in place now to help you and your business partners deal with stress such as the apps and with our overwhelm what do you do personally like throughout your day-to-day basis to keep yourself grounded I know you mentioned you do exercise like rock climbing what other kind of things do you implement on your daily basis to make sure that the stresses of work where you're not getting the work-life balance don't overwhelm you and don't cause a high level of stress in your life yeah uh, absolutely so I think the key thing for me personally is to have my day scheduled and to know when I'm not going to be working and that's key so uh, as you as you said being in entrepreneurship you can essentially be working 24 <laughs> 7 absolutely if, if you wanted to so I think it becomes key then to take that time out uh, to do something on your own to do something with your family or your loved ones to do something with your mates however so it may be you need to be able to take that time out. So let's say on any given day, I have in my schedule that I just want to go hide myself away and read a little bit. So I don't want to touch any of our our social media. I don't want to read the news. I don't want to go onto a news website, start reading articles or watching a documentary. I'm just going to read. Um, I'll pick up a book, I'll listen to an audio book, but I'm not going to do anything else. And that really provides me with that downtime. And through that downtime, I feel re-energized. I feel like I've recuperated to an extent. And then I'm good to go. And like I said earlier, I think taking a Sunday off by automating things and being able to spend time uh, with my partner and my other family and friends and so on, that enables me to get fresh and be prepared for what's to come next. And I think that is key. And it's something that I always thought I understood, but I've really started to realize alongside running the startup. And that's enabled me to improve I wouldn't say productivity because I I have my grievances against the use of the word productivity but rather um, enabled me to grow as an individual and better utilize my time yeah understood yeah absolutely Um, you said something really interesting there and it just resonated with me which is you have a time allocated for when you're not working and I'm definitely guilty of not having that time ever allocated but I think it's very important for us all to have that moment where we're still for a few moments or where we take that moment to read a book like you said and just knowing that that's there it's almost like a safe place especially from a mental health overwhelm stress perspective for myself as well so that's something that I'm definitely going to take on board there so I'm also interested you said you got some grievances with the word productivity what did you mean by that so look I think we um life is generally extremely fast-paced, particularly in parts of the world, uh, such as those in which you and I live. And we're always on the run. We're always trying to, not physically, but always trying to get from one end to the other. That could be via commuting, that could be uh, achieving a task or getting something done. And I think 
tying in with what I said earlier, sometimes you need to stop and breathe. And with this idea of productivity that you're only going to accomplish what you've set out to do if you keep on pushing or hustling or staying on the grind or you know being steady on that grind whatever the language may be that you choose to uh, represent it by um, is that really true because if we're talking about things like mental health and stress like you touched on it earlier you're eventually going to reach a point where you burn out you're going to react to it and say, hey, I, I'm completely going to shut down for a few days, or you're just going to crash and who knows what the health impacts of that may be. And I think, yes, it's great to do your work, do it with passion, do it with love, enjoy it, achieve what you're trying to do, but you don't always have to be productive. And that is the idea that if I'm not working, I need to be achieving this. If I'm not achieving this, I need to be doing this. And if not that, then that, no, it's okay if you're not doing anything for a while because then you will gradually get healthier, not just physically, but also mentally. You'll have more time to think. And most importantly, you'll be able to reflect because you'll be spending time away from doing what you do. And in turn, you'll be able to better assess how you've been doing what you're doing. And I think that's my grievance, not perhaps just with the word productivity, but the idea of productivity and how everything has to be productive in this day and age. Absolutely. That's, um, that, that's, that's such a fantastic answer. In fact, it's a really refreshing perspective. And as you were saying that, I was like, wow, because this is something I implemented yesterday. You mentioned something about stopping and breathing and we don't always have to feel like we're doing something and moving forward. And I'm 100% guilty of that. So if I'm sitting there watching Netflix, for example, I have this thing in the back of my head thinking I should be creating content. I should be maybe doing a podcast or maybe writing a blog, for example, or working on the business. And it's, it's not a great place to come from, to be honest, because what you tend to do is you beat yourself up in the moments where maybe you need that time to stop and breathe. Because we're in that society, like you said, it's very fast paced. We're almost in this rat race trying to do more, be more, create more, but sometimes less is more. So if you're committed to not only enhancing your mental health, but also your physical well-being too, then you need to check out our new sponsors, Health Excel. Providing you the best superfood blends on the market in their non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and of course, organic formulas, they bring you superfoods like no others you have seen on the market. They also don't just stop there as they provide you free consistent information to educate and empower you on your overall health and well-being journey. So don't just stop at the end of a Find Your Voice episode. Get yourself some XL blends and put the odds in your flavor. Once it goes live, there will also be a unique discount for anyone who comes from the Find Your Voice podcast as you guys are now part of my family and I only want to see you thrive even more. So check out the links in the description below and get notified as soon as they go live. Back to the episode. And look, I mean, you know, I'm saying it, but I've been guilty of it as well. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a process. It doesn't come to you instantly. It doesn't just happen. It takes time. You have to be mindful of it. You have to try and create that discipline. You have to have the right support network 
around you. So, you know, you said you went uh, for a walk with your wife and that really helped you. My, my wife as well is really supportive. My family members are really supportive. That enables me to, that basically creates that system or structure for me to consider doing these things. And I think that we all to an extent in entrepreneurship are guilty of it, as you said earlier. Absolutely. Zushan, I want to segue then ever so slightly. Sometimes I normally ask this at the beginning of the show, and I'm always intrigued to understand why people do what they do. So for yourself, what is your intrinsic motivation for why you do what you do? Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting one, Aaron. Um, I I would first start off with the summary of or like I want to specifically give this one quote that I try and live by, and and it's sort of stuck with me since I first um, read it, which is uh, the famous uh, Greek philosopher Socrates. He said. All, all I know is that I know nothing. And it's a simple few words, but it is so profound. The idea that the moment that I as an individual think that I know something, that's when my knowing or learning process stops. And that is the problem because uh, it's it's a question of your ego where you think if I know something then I don't necessarily need to know anything else whereas if I know nothing then I'm always curious I'm always seeking I'm always trying to learn and that interestingly enough is also a part of what we try to do at Sportages but with sports um, is that we want to go and talk to an athlete who, for example's sake, we, I recently did an interview with an athlete who, by the age of 24, had professionally played two sports and had to retire because the doctor said to him that his injury may be life-threatening, so he should forget about sports and start thinking of being able to live a normal life again. Now, we don't hear about these things because we only see the glitz and glamour. And to be able to provide that other side of the story, that in a way is something that we are all learning and hence we're continuing to grow. So that aspect of what I do, not just in my day job, but also with the startup and in the other time that I have reading or watching the documentary or even a movie, if I'm able to learn something, I am happy and I felt, I feel that I have grown and I feel that that is essentially my purpose where I am gaining knowledge and I'm able to impart with it, even if it's minimal. If that article with that athlete helped someone else speak out against the issues around mental health in sports or in team sports or whatever so it may be and help someone with their well-being then indirectly I did some good for someone in the process I learned something and I was able to pass on that knowledge and that's what drives me I love that answer and um, you can't see me right now because we're doing this just via audio and I was just nodding all the way through that <laughs> because 
that's something that very recently, uh, as I've worked on self-awareness predominantly for the last 12 months, is something that I've recognized to always be a learner. And it's actually raised a question. So another question for you, and I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, if I may, my friend, which is you mentioned about the athletes, how we only see the glitz and the glory, but we don't necessarily see the other side of the adversity. Now, speaking with you on this conversation, you might sound to somebody else that you have it all figured out. But I know none of us really have everything figured out. And like you said, you're a learner. You're on the same journey as myself. So one of the things I believe that teaches us a lot in life is adversity. It teaches us resilience, whether it's wisdom or just forces us to have to grow, even if we don't want to grow. Have you got any examples of maybe when adversity came into your life or you were hit with an obstacle or a challenge that really forced you to grow as an individual? And what lessons did you learn from that? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. So I'll go I'll, I'll talk about when I was uh, studying at uh, the University of Queensland in Brisbane doing my undergraduate degree. I went in to study accounting um, as an accountant. And I did a bachelor's uh, in commerce. And during that time, it's uh, sort of what you touched on earlier. So I always had the knack for it. I just didn't know if I necessarily wanted to do it or not. But obviously, my, my parents saw that, you know, that was a good thing, you should go ahead and do it. And I did it. And I could not deal with it. It was extremely stressful. I, it was far too monotonous for me. I would fail to go to my classes because I was so demotivated. I was doing really bad at university. It was really, really tough. And to say that, oh, it was all good and everything worked out. No, I then added another degree. So I did two degrees, which was the second degree being uh, political science. And I managed to finish them and end up in academia, having never to do accounting again, but the process of finishing university and then finding a job for in the, I think over the course of six months, I applied to over 250 jobs and got rejected every single one, often without even interviewing. So I was obviously not doing something right, or they didn't necessarily find what they were looking for in me, but that was really hard. And I did, I, I, I thought this was it. I'm, I've, you know, I've had all this experience um, growing up with all these people of now living in my fourth city at that time. There's so much ahead of me, but I feel like this is it. This is doom. Stay right here and I'm done and dusted. But looking at it now, I guess, you know, thankfully it wasn't. And I see, you know, it's interesting as I'm telling you this, I'm reflecting on how that time's gone by again. I had the right friends and I had the right support. The, my family became really supportive. And eventually I got into that space of social sciences and the political science and I made my way there, but it was not easy. And, you know, there were days where I thought, you know, have I, am I a failure? Like, what have I done? Have I done anything? What were 
the four and a half years doing two undergraduate degrees for, but I guess I kept pushing through and I kept trying and, you know, the academia wasn't a lot of pay. It was still a struggle. I was still uh, really getting on my own two feet. And, you know, today here I am still figuring things out, but obviously, uh, with age, with age, I guess a bit of maturity comes as well and you make some of the right decisions. And of course you learn and I've been able to learn and I've been able to grow. So yeah, I've overcome that adversity, but I don't think that that may necessarily have been the biggest challenge that I've had in my, you know, a uh, few years on this planet. So <laughs> absolutely. I think that is something though, that many people listening would have gone through. I mean. You said just a few seconds ago, this was it, where you almost feel this is it. This is doomsday. I'm a failure. My life's over. And we've all had those moments where in the midst of that adversity, we feel like it's the end of the world. But one thing I would always say to everyone is that I know it sounds silly now. Obviously, we can speak from hindsight is that it's not over. And what you think is the biggest problem, most likely in four or five years, you'll never remember again. But I think that's an important lesson. And I think it's nice to get different examples and perspectives from people because sometimes people listen to this and they might not have gone through the adversity that some of the guests have gone through it is a difficult one because we all do face it but overcoming it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get over it in a day it may take a month it may take a year even longer but you know if you persist you will get there and you look after yourself during that process i would say is really important because that's probably the area that I struggled with the most during that time. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm always encouraging people to just enjoy the process, try and enjoy what you can from it, and obviously look after yourselves. So Zushan, on that note then, I'm going to jump us into the fun part of the show. And the fun part of the show is where the listeners can get to know you a little bit more, where I ask you random questions let's go okay Zushan what is your favorite hobby climbing J. Cole or Kendrick Lamar J. Cole your favorite movie I'd say the Lord of the Rings trilogy your biggest mistake last year probably uh getting into my startup <laughs> <laughs> okay your favorite motivational speaker I I really really liked the things that Kobe Bryant had to say mm -hmm. absolutely he was he was a true true winner if you had an extra hour a day how would you spend it chilling out the best lesson anyone has ever taught you my, my dad once said to me uh, no one gives you second chances and when i was young i didn't get it but i do now give it your heart and soul essentially i love that if you could get the listeners to do one thing starting today what would it be if you're working hard take a break your favorite artist tupac if you could abolish one thing in the world what would it be oh uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna get really sentimental here and say poverty what are you secretly good at that nobody knows I think a few people know, but most people have forgotten uh, probably rapping. Interesting. I should have got you to rap on this uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> the ability to read minds or predict the future. Ooh, that's a, that's a good one because I can see so many cons in both of them. But um, yeah, I think, I think I'll go with predicting the future just because, yeah. Um, because I know you're a music fan. What song best describes your life? Yeah, you've put me on the spot there now. There's like thousands of songs going through my head. Um, Get Up, Stand Up by Bob Marley. I like that. I like that. 
Fantastic. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the fun part of the show. And the next question I have for you, it's about reflection, actually. And we briefly touched on this earlier in the episode. So I'm a firm believer that hindsight is a wonderful thing. And Mm -hmm. upon reflection, we can always think of ways to get to where we are quicker, easier, or with less heartache. But at the same time, I believe the journey teaches us so, so much as well. So what I want to know is, if you could go back in time to one moment where you really struggled, or maybe you suffered with adversity, knowing everything that you know now, and you could just whisper something in your ears, what would you say? I'd say it's okay to feel the way that you're feeling, because you'll get through it. You may not know that yet, but you will get through it. So accept how you're feeling. Mm, I love that. And sadly, Zushan, that does bring us to the last question of the episode. And the last question I always ask my guests is about legacy. So if in 150 years time, science fails to save us, and all that exists is a book. And this book, it's about you. It's about your life. It's about all of the amazing, incredible things that you've done, all of the places that you've been and all of the lives that you've impacted. Firstly, what would the title of that book be? And secondly, what would the summary at the back tell us about you? <laughs> love it, love it, love it. That's, uh, that's, that's a good one. Title of the book. Um, I, oh, you, you've really got me thinking. <laughs> that's, that's the aim. That's the aim. You told me you were a critical yeah. thinker, so uh, I thought I'd put you yeah. on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think, the title of the book would be something along the lines of having done so much and maybe achieved a little. I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good title. And I think the summary would say, tried several things, enjoyed them along the way, and perhaps influenced a few people. And by doing so brought greater purpose and meaning to people's lives by enriching them. Fantastic answer. So just before I give you a chance to connect with the listeners and to let us know the best place that we can contact you or maybe follow your journey, if that's okay with yourself, are there any questions that you wish I had asked you in this interview or is there any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? I don't think there are any questions uh, that I wish you had asked me because I think all the questions were really, really interesting. In terms of what I'd like to leave the listeners with is what has, I feel, been sort of the overarching theme of our discussion. Sit back, relax, work hard, work passionately, and take your time. You'll get there and you'll be happy about it. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So Zushan, what is the best place that people can connect with you and follow you on your journey? Yeah, so me personally, I am very active with my own personal profile on LinkedIn. So if you go in and search up Zushan Hashmi, I won't be too hard to find. Uh, Most of my other, uh, I guess, public work is through Sportages. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn as well. If you just put in Sportageous on Twitter, where we're really busy as well, uh, it's Sportageous1. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can holler at me through LinkedIn, or you could send me an email on Zushan at Sportageous.co, and I'd be happy to get back to you. Fantastic. What I will do is to make everyone's life easier is I'll put all that information in the show notes. I just want to take this moment to thank you from the other side of the world 
at, well, almost one o'clock now in the morning for taking time out of your day to come and share this story with us. It's been an absolute pleasure to obviously get to know you. And for the listeners at home, thank you for listening. Fantastic, mate. Really appreciate it. And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.